if you have availability to complain, you have availability to do it yourself. Right, right. I like that. If you got enough I'm time to complain. I like my daughter right, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Before they get in your business, be in charge of your business. Own it because it's your business. Your business, business. Handle all of your business. Value all of your business. You say you're minding your business. My business. Welcome to Montgomery and Company. I'm Renee Montgomery and I'm excited, man. We don't usually talk about relationships and all of that. I'm not really even into feelings, but then when somebody starts to tell you about yourself, like Dina Babel told me about myself, I had to get into feelings and get into what that means. We also have a couple, Peter Louise Zimmerman and Casey Peterson, who's gonna come through and talk about the different experiences in their life, especially involving not seeing black people at their high school. That's crazy, but that's a reality that some people deal with. We're definitely gonna be talking about BG and how our hearts break for her. And then of course, we're gonna bring it to the pod. It's a Jamel Hill tweet, so you already know, unbothered. What up, what up, what up? Listen, it's still Women's Month, but a lot happened in the sports world. My Diddy was up so late watching LeBron James drop a 56-point nugget at 37 years old. It's pretty wild. And when I think about how Diddy was up and tired all the next day because he stayed up late to watch the West Coast game, I realized that that is where I get it from. Not only did LeBron James drop a 50-piece nugget, but there was a lot that happened in the sports world. Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor Arena. It was beautiful. There were 96 alumni there. So imagine 96 of your former players showing up to your last game to support you cheer you on I think it would have been a lot like UConn I think it would have been a lot like UConn and coach Ariema where he might I I can imagine that he could easily have 96 I'm gonna be in the building I'm gonna tell you that right now when coach Ariema has his last game whenever that is I don't care what's going on on my schedule I'm going to tell VP right now, clear the schedule because I'm going to stores to see what's going on. So Coach K had his last game and they played against Duke against UNC. So all the stars were aligned for the game to just be massive. And that's exactly what it was. And let me tell you what happened. UNC didn't care nothing about that home going. They went out there and from the opening tip, punched Duke in the face. Duke fought back. It was a close game. There was a lot of stars in the building, by the way, too. Adam Silver was there sitting next to Jerry Seinfeld, which I thought was pretty wild. Um, There were comedians in the building. It was star-studded. It felt like an NBA game, honestly, and that's a testament to Coach K and everything that he's done in his career. So just I couldn't help but as I saw the Duke brotherhood coming together and banding together. I couldn't help but think about our UConn sisterhood. So that made me excited for what's to come for Coach Ariema in a sense of he needs that exact same energy. He needs that exact same send off. And like I said, I'll be in the building. This is called Championship Week for a reason. The madness has started. South Carolina got us upset at SEC, and they didn't win the championship. So it's kind of crazy. Kentucky with a big time win. I'm going to be covering March Madness for CBS on the men's side. 
And I want you guys to tap in because this is the pre-madness that's happening for Championship Week. That's on the sports side of things. We're also going to talk relationships throughout this whole episode. We have a couple coming on. We also have a relationship expert who gets me all the way together. She tells me a lot about myself. Basically, I get roasted and I'm going to work on myself. You know, relationships are an interesting thing. And it makes me think of the show Married at First Sight, where it's almost basically an experiment where they have two people meet at the altar and say, I do. If anybody's watching the show, we're about to get on Elijah Wan. Shouts to Jamel Hill. She's already been roasting him on Twitter, on social media. And the MoCo fam got something to say about standards that are those the normal standards? What are standards for a marriage nowadays? We're going to get into all of that in a little bit. My heart hurts for Brittany Griner right now when I think about it. She's been on my mind. Every morning when I wake up, she's been on my mind as we fall asleep because I just can't imagine what she could possibly be going through right now, what she could be thinking, what her family could be thinking. And so in case you don't know what's going on with Brittany Griner, she was arrested sometime around February 5th. She's been in custody. She was arrested at an airport close to Moscow, about 26 miles away. She was allegedly had multiple cannabis vape pens. That's what we call them in America. And they detained her. And since they've detained her, she has not posted on social media. A lot of the world, including myself, didn't know about it until recently that she's been detained at least for almost a month now or longer than a month if February 5th was the date. So my heart hurts for her. I don't know what that could be like in, in a time where we understand what's going on. There's the war going on with Ukraine and Russia. I just can't imagine what her family, friends, and especially what she is thinking are going through. So when I think about situations like this, we already talked about how Ashdod got bombed when I was playing in Israel and how Snook, you know, that was terrifying for Snook at every second. And this is going on a month, a month since we've heard from Brittany Griner. I just don't even know what to think. The unknown is what scares me the most, honestly. And I played in Russia for four years, about four years. So I know a lot of people there, team-related people. I have teammates there. And I had a conversation with somebody that I you know, knew from Russia that is a Russian that's currently living in Russia. They sent me the article about Brittany Griner, and I said, what's going on over there with Brittany? Like, I just asked him. And the response was, as the news says, she is still in Moscow. I said, are Russians talking about this? Is it big news there? They said, no, nobody talks about it. I just saw it in the news and thought it would be interesting for you. I said, wow, it's big news here in America. What do you think will happen? They said, our media writes she can get five to 10 years in prison, but I hope the government can help in this situation. But for real, what do you think she was thinking to bring drugs into a different country? I said, five to 10 years is a lot. Why don't they just deport her? It feels dangerous right now. And they responded, it looks like a drug smuggling case. We take that serious over here. And I said, do you think drug smuggling for vape pens seems like too much of a punishment? They said, I don't know. It's a drug according to our law. We take that serious over here. So I was pretty shocked to hear that the Russian citizens don't actually feel like this is a big punishment. No one's talking about it in Russia. It's no big deal in Russia. And that actually scares me more than anything, because if they don't care what happens to her in Russia, then that 
makes it easier for anything bad to happen. And obviously we pray, hope, and wish that nothing bad happens. But to me, that's very scary that the citizens in Russia feel that way and there's no news about it in Russia. Well, I've been aware of Russian propaganda for over 50 or 60 years. And the reason they don't care about it is because they don't know about it. Putin has shut down all of the incoming news feeds or whatever. And from various news shows that I've watched, I have saw where captured Russian soldiers have called their family back in Russia and told them about their plight there in Ukraine. And their family in Russia doesn't believe it because they're there's nothing there about it. So naturally, if you don't know about it, you can't be concerned about it. You can't have any thoughts about it because, you know, you're just going on to live in your life. Now, I think one of the John Quill Jones articles I read said that she was over there playing, had no idea, had her family, friends, and agent not apprised her to the situation, she would still be over there not even knowing that there's something else going on in the world. So that just shows you how close off the Russian government is. And then uh, about the smuggling thing, the guy said, well, they don't condone smuggling. Now, you know, I know uh, I've seen, I've been in stores and I've seen those little vape things or whatever. I understand or what I've read, she had two vials, two vials. So how many Russians could you get high on two vials of that cannabis stuff? That's what I'm saying. So anyway. I, um, I feel like this is beyond a human condition. It's very easy to say, well, why would you? Why would you? Why would you? It's very easy to condemn because that's a part of judgment, which is what every human, regardless of who you are, there's some type of judgment to every situation. Like Renee, it concerns me that we haven't heard anything from her. It concerns me also that they don't think it's a big deal. I really believe for two vials, they should have just deported her and banned her from life and said, you can't come back. You're already here at the airport. We're going to confiscate. You get on the plane. You sign up. We're going to have you flag that you can never come to our country again. Ban her. That to me would have been the best thing. She's already there. She can't come back. You know, that's very easy to do. But that's not what they did. Also, what concerned me, and this is just a video, so I'm not sure if it's the full video. They had her signing something. So... I want to know. I saw that too. Yeah. You yeah, had her sign that, something. That Does she speak me. that language? Does she? Can she read that? Is there a lawyer there present? Do you trust the interpreter? Because they could have had someone telling her, "Oh, this is just this just sign here, just saying that basically we're going to confiscate it." She could have been signing over the, her admission that she did these things, and so it concerned me that they had her signing something as well because we don't know what she signed, and she probably doesn't know what she signed. So my heart hurts and aches because. I really don't feel like the punishment fits the crime. It's one of those things where even if it was five vials, you confiscate them and you go ahead about your business. You say, this is what you do. We're contacting your agent. You're no longer allowed to be a part of this or anything that has to do with Russia. You cannot come in this country ever again. Banner for life. Who cares? Let her go. Yes. So my nerves are bad because not being heard from is just not good. That means that she doesn't have representation. Who is her representation over there? So, you know, that's the part for me. It's kind of like a catch-22 because now that everybody does know about it, now it's even become even more dangerous because now they're going to see that she's very high profile. You know, she's a USA Olympian. The tweets are coming in strong from all over the place and even from outside of the country with the same sentiment that Renee just read. People are saying, well, what do you expect? 
expect when people are smuggling drugs into the country. Like, first of all, I agree 100% with both of you. The punishment definitely does not fit the crime. I don't think that that's even drug smuggling because for it to be, I would think drug smuggling, like Snook said, you would have to have way more than that for intent to distribute. You know, like I understand if it's a possession charge, that would be more suitable for this particular, you know, situation. But I understand if you want to say, okay, she had it on her, but for to say that she's drug smuggling, people usually have the intent to distribute. And like Snook said, she only had two of them. So, that, I'm, I'm just saying is it, it's just ridiculous all around and then like it, it gets me even a little shaky just talking about it because I can't even imagine what her wife must be feeling right now you know because I even DM'd her wife I don't even know her wife I said prayers for you and your family because I can't even imagine if that was Renee that I did not hear from from a month and then now her life is really in danger because now everybody even knows about it so I, I'm just sick about it. Well let me just add to here uh, I don't have all the backstory but we have two Americans over there right now who's been there for 15 years in Russia. I think when Biden became president, he tried to do some diplomatic things to try to get them extracted from Russia with no avail. So as I said, you know, Brittany, uh, I really feel and I'm so sad about this, but you're in a country that we do not have any leverage power with. Serena brought up Brittany Griner's wife, Sherelle, and She posted a message on Instagram that said, thank you to everyone that has reached out to me regarding my wife's safe return from Russia. Your prayers and support are greatly appreciated. I love my wife wholeheartedly. So this message comes during one of the weakest moments of my life. I understand that many of you have grown to love BG over the years and have concerns and want details. Please honor our privacy as we continue to work on getting my wife home safely. As I read that message from her, it's just like gut-wrenching because I cannot, the helplessness that I'm sure she feels is what scares me the most because like like you just said, we have no pull. We have no say. We have, we don't have a trump card in a sense of that spade in our pocket, you know, and like you don't have a, like a card to play in this situation because what can we do? And the WNBA world is tapped in, you know, Teresa the Weatherspoon, the New York Liberty legend said, Words can't describe my emotions right now. Brittany Griner is more than a basketball player. She is an inspiration to many. She is a daughter, a friend. She is one of us. All I know to do is pray for her safe return home. She needs all of our prayers. This picture, and it's a smiling photo of Brittany Griner, this picture is how I want to see her walking off the plane safely back into the States. If you ever wanted to flood social media with positivity, now is the time. So it's just like everyone you can just tell feels this helpless feeling of, man, we know her. Like she's one of us. She could be us. And that's the scariest part because it could have been any of us. And I think it goes to the larger world picture. We've heard a lot about the uh, racism that's occurring with the Ukrainian war. And one of the things that the uh, President Putin wanted to do with the 2016 election and all, I mean, 2020 election and all of that was to cause an uprising with race issues here in this country, saying that, you know, that, you know, we're not being treated right. And so, you, you know, there were some things or some stories about 
about you, uh, the people in Ukraine not treating minorities correctly or whatever. So this all plays into that particular system where he's trying to make us feel bad about our government. And so some people have suggested that he might make her tweet out things that say bad things and, and get us in a kind of an uprise with our government here. Anything to throw discord, that's what he's trying to do. Mm. And Renee brought up a point. She said that while she was playing in Russia, that the fact that she's part of the LGBTQ community is a really big deal over there. Renee, that they have like a, a gay propaganda law or something like that. Like they have like things against the queer community. And so the fact that not only is she a black woman, she's a queer woman, you know, like that's that's even scarier to be over there during this time, because I know that, you know, the Russian people the values don't necessarily align with those of the LGBTQ community. Which is why it ticks me off that the women have to do overseas in order to be able to have you know exactly that's the whole thing she should have been over there if you'd have paid her right in this country she could have had an option that if it was her option to go but she didn't need it as a part of her regular paid salary to be a basketball player then we she would have never been over there but we don't understand that because we're like oh she went over there and did that not knowing that it's almost like if i live across the state if i live in maryland and i'm close to dc and i have to drive over to dc just to get the rest of my money because i can't feed my family in this state i gotta go to another state then that's what happens she had to go to another country to supplement a regular income that the men get who are on the bench they get two hundred thousand dollars just sitting on the end of the bench just to be a player whereas we had to go overseas we had to rob peter to pay paul and now this is why she's over there but i'm not gonna go there i'm, just gonna, I'm gonna let that go no. But you know what? That is the bigger problem at hand. That is a bigger conversation to have here because, like Nicole said, if women were getting paid adequately, then this wouldn't even be something that they even have to do. This is a necessity because, like Nicole said, the salary of the WNBA is not going to support their lifestyle. To that point, thank you, VP. She's been on the Russian team since 2014. They know who she is. They know her values. They know they knew all of that before, but when she was playing for them, everything was okay. Now it's troubling times, and so they didn't even add value to the fact that she's been playing for Russia since 2014. To me, I feel like you should have built up some type of rapport in the country in the sense of that's who you choose. Well, you that's chose, that's, that's, that's you right. chose. That's who you choose. That's who that's you choose. Who you, yes, somebody that has been submerged in your culture. Because yep. even me, when I was talking to the people that I, you Seems know, I targeted. used to. Yeah, she was targeted. And it's like, so you targeted someone that you guys know. You got, I mean, Ekaterinburg is a team that wins every year for Russia. So she's known. And so that's who you target. And so that's yeah. what's tough for me because I played four years in Russia. I feel like the people that I knew I met there were people that are homies now. Like, you know, like I, like I felt like, Snook, you met them. I felt they make you feel so comfortable when you're over there. They make you feel so secure and safe. And so for me, that's why it's like terrifying because it's like, man, I've been on Russian teams too. I played in Russia for four years myself. What if I was a player playing this year? Which is why I don't buy, and I know that's your person or someone that you know personally that you've been in contact with. That's why I don't buy that story. Because first of all, you've known her that long. Y'all have known her that long. So apparently people over there do know what's going on because they know. Well, it's not in the news. I asked, is it's it being big? I asked the question, though. is it big news in Russia? And he said, no one's talking about it. That so doesn't mean it's not big news. 
No, no they're, they're not. They're not, not showing saying, this. They're, no, they're, they're not, not being saying framed as a, as a drug smuggling thing. It's like they're really like oh, that's what I'm saying. Drug smuggling. That's, it's that's not drug my smuggling. point. That's exactly what I'm. That's my whole point that yeah. Serena just said is that they're pushing. It is big news because the PR people know. People over there do know. The yeah. big news is that they're pushing it as she was smuggling drugs, and we don't know how much they have told that she actually had. They could have said, "Oh, she had right. a whole bunch of drugs in her bag. True. She was trying to take them back over." So it is big news. Yeah. But the big news is that whatever they're pushing for it to be big news. I don't know. They might have put. Them in there themselves. That's another thing that people are saying. I always like themselves. to say allegedly because one of the articles also said that there was a drug dog that smelled her bag and that's why they stopped her. But again, we don't know if the video is accurate. So that's why yes, everything we we're know. saying right now yes. is allegedly. So allegedly. I'm going to say the word allegedly, but allegedly the dog sniffed her bag and that's why they pulled her to the side. But I saw a video that did not corroborate a dog even getting close to her. I saw a video where a dog did come into the screen however he didn't get close to Brittany Griner so I don't know what's going on and so that's why all of this is allegedly but I don't understand like you guys said to just kind of the only thing I can think is her vape too must have been leaking because I can't see how that dog could be smelling (laughs) that vape stuff through a a concealed vial you know so it must have been leaking or the only other explanation would be there was some scent on her clothing or her article uh, you know of things she had in her suitcase exactly maybe there were different things that we didn't see but from the video that we saw a lot's not making sense and that's what's scarier to me it looked premeditated it looked targeted and again this is just our opinion and this is allegedly but it just did not look good and that's what scares me the most i mean and not to mention like britney griner she attracts attention wherever she goes she's a six nine woman Come on, like, she's the height of NBA players. Like, she's going to attract attention wherever she goes. Like, and I don't know, like, maybe I do kind of believe that it does seem a little targeted. You know, they could have had a picture of her prior to that. Like, oh, this is the one, you know, because it just a lot of stuff in that video just don't go with the story that's being spun right now. Well, if you look at the timeline of it, you know, we just had the Olympics and uh, Putin was over there with China for the Olympics. And they talked about invading Ukraine. And so now we're into day 12 of the Ukrainian war. She's been in there since February 5th. So maybe right after the Olympics or during the Olympics, you know, he said, I need a Trump card and your conspiracy theory might be right, Serena. So now, you know, when she comes here, we'll do that because the timeline means that it could be something that was premeditated on their part. Like something bigger at play. Yeah. Yeah. And when we say Trump card, we don't actually mean Donald Trump. not talking about 45. It's like a, we play spades around here okay so we play bid whist (laughs) and spades so when we say a trump card we're talking about if i got that joker on deck look out everybody i'm gobbling up all the books roy talking about some uno no sir i mean you might have a wild card yeah you might got a little wild card in your bag or draw four roy but basically long story short man all we can do is pray for britney griner and that's what we're going to continue to do our whole moco family we're going to just continue to pray and hope for the best possible outcome. Coming up next, we have Dina Babel, who is a TV personality, relationship coach, and author of Love Strong. Change your narrative, change your life, and take your power back. 
She also authored The Fatherless Daughter Project, Understanding Our Losses and Reclaiming Our Lives. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. relationship expert, I wanted to start to talk to you about a thing that I know is talked about a lot on social media and you've done it yourself and it's snagging a baller. So <laughs> yeah, look, look, look. so there's all kinds of talk, you know, there's names for those women sometimes, but I don't think there should be a category. Girl, what I, I tagged him before he was a, a baller. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was pre-balling, he was pre-balling, but yeah. you're a relationship expert. So you know about the thought process, the psyche of athletes, you're married to an athlete. So I'm curious for women that they're not groupies and we're going to get this out of the way. That's not a groupie. <laughs> okay. If your type is just, you like, athletic men you want to get closer to a guy like what would be I your advice she a gold digger you know okay but <laughs> what would be what would be your advice for women that are trying to get the attention because i really do see this all the time like how could a woman get the attention of an athlete that they may be attracted to organically attracted to first of all all athletes like to compete right they like to go after stuff <laughs> So don't be throwing yourself out there trying to be seen and, you know, <laughs> dipping over to pick up your phone and all your stuff. Wait a minute, the you dip challenge the is live. The business. Every girl, yeah, every girl has dropped a phone, picked it up, done whatever they got to do to get some attention. So no business you know snap, no business snap. Yeah, but I think the, the big thing is you go, I went after that type of guy and those people mainly because I was attracted to a competitive personality and mm -hmm. I like tall guys. I'm going to be real. Okay. But when I met my husband, I was looking at somewhere else. I was heading to LA to do some stuff and I just kind of ran up on him in a club and blew him <laughs> off because I wasn't even looking, you know, and he looked young and I wasn't even thinking about it. <laughs> but I honestly think they need a chase. They need they need to go after mm. someone who's got something going for themselves. Anytime you're going after a man, a woman, anybody, especially an athlete, they don't want to carry you. And if they do, they need their mama. If they are ready for a grown-up woman, that's a different story. I think everybody needs to already be in check with yourself and what they want to do and what they're looking for, and then you attract that same person. And I, I like how you how you even said that you went after him, you know, so it's like, it's empowering. I think that you know exactly what you want, and I yeah. think that that's put in a positive way. I love that. 
Well, it's a dance, right? right. Like you got to want him. He's got to want you and you go back and forth and hopefully you build on something. But if you're chasing real hard, you're just going to always keep chasing because once you stop, they're just going to go somewhere else. I mean, look at Tristan. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> look at Tristan. Man, no words for that. It's interesting what the scenario you just described is actually my husband's not a pro player of uh, athlete or anything. Uh, no, I he was a college. No, he was a baller. He was a baller. Yeah. And I decided I liked it. So I let him know. You know, you say, I'm going to get my man. OK, that's right. That's right. <laughs> because I think there is a stigma about women trying to holler at dudes. And, and is it OK? Yeah. Snook to that point. Diddy was a college football player and Snook, the first day he was on campus, Snook said, give me that, and took him, and he was <laughs> off the market. Well, she got him early. She's like, I got to slide in before any of these other girls come here to play. I got to handle my business. And so you brought up Tristan Thompson, and it's interesting because is there a way to keep a baller? Like, all these women, we're giving well, you... Now, he's on a different level, girl. He's got... There's some mental stuff going on with that fool. Like, he needs... We can open him up and dig down in, and he's got some kind of mama issue. I don't mm. know what, but there's something going on with him because he's just playing to play. You know, he's yeah. not even being real about what he's doing with all these women. If you look the day of Chloe's birthday, when she professed his her love and said he professed his love and he's in therapy, put him on blast and everything, that's the day he got that girl pregnant. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, and so... In reality, this guy doesn't know what he's doing, right? And I think, I give it to Chloe. She always runs across these messes, right? I mean, she does. And there's a lot of people like that that are codependent, if you will, or want to go fix somebody or want to go rescue something. And I think hopefully she's learned her lesson now because I think she's a good soul and she needs to get someone that can take care of her versus her taking care of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely. And she might need to get off the basketball court. That's all I'm saying. Listen, <laughs> hey, I like the basketball players. <laughs> not that no, no, she's saying, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, she, she, saying, she I, is I she's saying. sniffing. She's going straight. That is who she, she's no, going right. to hunt anybody yeah. else. Yeah. yeah, at least Kim dabbled like SNL, Nick Lachey, Kanye West. Did you say SNL as a category of SNL? Yes, she, I mean, but she has a point. I think that sometimes people get stuck in the same exact tunnel. They only have tunnel vision for, I'm only going for basketball players. I'm only going for basketball players. But then mm-hmm. the thing is, is that you're not winning with basketball players, you know? So you might have to look a little differently. There's some built men who aren't basketball players. You might have to look outside of that. Court. Is that still appealing, Dina? Like, if, what? I mean, <laughs> if they don't have that necessarily, I know you said you're attracted to the competitiveness, but if they're six, four and they got the six pack, they look athletic. What, like, how does that rank in the appealing? Not honestly, appealing? I'm old, right? So, I think if I was looking back at my younger self, I would say go for the core values, right? Like not to put y'all to sleep, but what makes a person who they are? Like, are they trustworthy? Do they care about God? Do they, you know, treat their friends and family nicely? Like, are they a go-getter? What is it that you're looking for in a core value of a person? If you can come correct with that, and most of us can't, because most of us have two parents that messed up somewhere along the way, and we got to figure ourselves out. (laughs) <laughs> but if you can figure out what that core value is in a person, I think you can figure out the people. And then whoever you go to, if you say, okay, trust is a big one, 
and let's say we're Chloe again, trust is a big one. Okay. <laughs> He's already shown he can't trust. So that core values out the damn window. I mean, yeah. that's not going to work out. Right. No, definitely. Right. And another thing I think when people such as Chloe or whatever, when they choose that from the same work group, it's already going to be problematic because mm. the person that you're with, everybody Colleagues. in the community knows yeah. what's going on. I mean, you know what I mean? Yes. So they yeah. might have said, I was with her, you know. And this <clears throat> yeah, like their and colleagues so and stuff. It, it, it's not good for the relationship because everybody's kind of in the relationship. That's all of Hollywood and NBA. I was just <laughs> about to say, if you start to look at Hollywood, yeah. that's just how it's going to be because people like to gravitate to people in their spaces and who they're around. But you brought up something interesting, Dina. You said we all pretty much have a parent or someone that might have messed our lives up in a certain way. You have a book. You wrote a book. You have two books out. But alongside Love Strong, you also have a book called The Fatherless Daughter Project. And online, a lot of people talk about daddy issues. You know, you even brought it up just now, like that Tristan might have mommy issues. So as well as women having daddy issues, that men can have mommy issues. But what made you write that book? Like what? Ooh, the, like what was behind that? Let me get on the couch. <laughs> get on the moco couch. I mean, I wrote it because my dad died when I was 13. And I really didn't understand how it affected me because I had uncles and different people around me, but I didn't have him. And so even though I had stand-ins, if you will, or some people that would show up, I didn't have the consecutive leadership of a man in the house. I had Bill Cosby because I'm old. And I would watch TV and say, okay, that's what a dad does. I mean, that was a mistake. But I'm saying that's <laughs> what it is, right? Uh, but, the reality, but that's how you figured out what everyday father looked like. And when I started looking into it, you know, women that grow up without their fathers, and that means the emotional disconnect of their father, okay? So that could be death, divorce, abuse, addiction. It could be abandonment, all kinds of things. They go into two categories, death, those girls mourn their father and think of them and almost uh, a way of they're on a pedestal and all these wonderful things this man was. If a girl loses her father and the emotional connection due to divorce or abandonment or addiction, they're more angry. And both of these types of women usually statistically do really well. And they're great friends, they're great at work, they're overachievers. Where they slip up is if they feel that they could possibly be reabandoned again. And I wanted to look into that because I had it straight and I was doing well, but the minute this guy broke my heart, I fell down and I could not figure out how I had everything else lined up in my life. I could give everybody else advice, but the minute this guy broke my heart, I really lost my footing. And I wanted to understand why that was and how that affected me. And the one thing I tried very much not to look at was the pain of that loss. And I think it's a silent epidemic, honestly, Renee. We don't talk about father issues because I think it pits men and women against each other. And it's not that. It's we need our dads. You know, we need our fathers. We need two people in the home. It could be two moms. It could be two dads. It could be anything. But we need both parents. That's how we're raised and we get something from each parent. And when one person's out, now again, I'm old, so life looked different then, right? But if everybody else has two or something and you have one, you're always looking around like, what am I missing out on? I don't fit into the norm, what does that look like? So I really wanted to understand what not having the other parent did. 
what does that look like for me and why? And what I found out after 10 years of research and really doing a lot of work to get to this book is we're all the same. We want love and we have to learn something from each parent. And when one of them's gone, there is a deficit, whether it's, you know, two women, two men, a woman and a man, whoever, when 50% of that person is gone and you can't say who I am or why didn't that person want me that supposedly chose me, what's wrong with me? And once you can figure that out and you realize it's about them and not about you, you can do the real work and get out there and find a good person and a good mate. But until then you get trapped and you're trying to figure that where that is and what that was to you and what it means. I love that. That could be like, we have a thing we call bring it to the pod and that's a, almost a bring it to the pod because I see all the time on social media, you know, it's, it's oftentimes used as a joke, like, Oh, they got daddy issues or, and you it know. pisses me off. It's not, it's not, it's, I mean, I've said it before, but the reality is everybody's got an issue from their mom or their dad. Everybody, right? I'm preaching. Yeah. Snooky, you like that? I'm <laughs> telling you. Everybody's I'm taking got it. it all in. I'm getting ready to start throwing some amens out there. But you know what? I, we all have issues. It's just, mm-hmm. and I, it used to make me mad because it's all about women's rights. Oh, yeah. And all the stuff that women have put up with over the years for different reasons and the stuff that we wouldn't put up with today for any stretch of anything. And right now you wouldn't put up with someone saying, oh, you got daddy issues. You'd be like, uh, hello, let me tell you what's going on with me. I'll show you my daddy. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the reality is we we've taken a lot of stuff. All of us have men, women, every one of us have taken different things and been told different things. But anytime you have a deficit of a parent, whether you're a male or a female, it affects you, especially in interpersonal relationships. Yeah, I mean, and I'm curious, like, how have you personally dealt with or coped with, you know, that loss? I mean, because that was a that was a crucial age that you lost your father at 13. You know, you were, you know, becoming a teenager, you know, a young woman. So how have you, you know, because you seem like you really understand it and you've studied a lot throughout the years. So how have you coped with it? You know, I had a strong mom and she kind of taught me like, almost to be too strong, to be honest with you. So I just wouldn't take a lot off of anybody. But what that did is made me not be very vulnerable. And if you're not vulnerable, people can't really know you, right? Because I'm always having fun, blah, blah, blah. But vulnerability is what attracts us. Humility is what attracts us. So I think I was too busy protecting myself that I didn't let anyone in. And when I did let people in, I was kind of on a pendulum. I either completely had it together or I completely fell apart. There was no middle of the road. And so when you ask how it affected me, I think people saw me as strong. And then when I fell apart, people were like, what in the world just happened? Like this girl went off the rails. I don't even understand why. Right. And because I didn't have the neutral part of that, like I can be both people, I, I can deal with pain and I'm okay to, you know, have it in my life and talk about it. When I was writing the Fatherless Daughter Project, all five publishing houses were fighting in this battle to get the contract, to give me the contract, which is great and exciting, but all five editors were fatherless. And it's interesting, nobody wanted to talk about it, but everybody wanted to read the book. And still to this day, people are like embarrassed by it. And when I was writing it, I had to write about the death of my father and my father was murdered. You know, he didn't die from a heart attack, right? I had to write the word murder. 
And I was in my thirties and I was like, I don't even want to write the word. It still had so much power. And I thought I got to get rid of this. You know, I got to be able to talk about it, but in a respectful way that, that I feel okay with. I mean, and you confronted it in a healthy way. I see. Yeah. But you, there's different stories, honestly, Serena, like we tell different stories to different people. And sometimes you keep a story for yourself. Sometimes you have a story you might tell a coworker, and sometimes you have a story you might tell Nicole, right? And there's all different versions of the same story and you got to protect yourself and know when you're going to use it. I lost my mother when I was uh, seven months old. And consequently, I was taken by my grandparents and raised by them. And all the time I was growing up, I was always comparing how my life was with kids who had actually a mother and father, not a grandmother and a grandfather. So it was nothing wrong. They loved me just like and stood in uh, probably better than a parent could have. But still in your my mind, I felt that I was out there kind of motherless and fatherless because those young parents that everybody had, I didn't have. I had older parents who just didn't fit the bill with the yeah. you know, whatever. And probably as you got older, you look back and go, God, I had it so good. I just felt lost. I felt that. like I didn't have it, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is really intriguing to me just because um, now Renee and I are married. And like you mentioned, if you have two parents, you know, whether it's two women, two men, a man and a woman, you know, my son, we have a 14 year old. He obviously has two mothers, Renee and I now. So um, when he, he lost his father really young, when he was one year old, I feel like he hasn't really understood the magnitude of that yet. But, but maybe, maybe he has. I mean, because I feel like in a lot of ways, he is very mature, a lot more mature than a lot of, you know, other 14 year olds. But I do wonder a lot of times, almost every day, what effect does that have on his psyche? You know, does he wonder about that sometimes? You know, Renee and I got married two years ago. So that was 11 years of his life that he didn't have his father. So I constantly, you know, thought about that. So this is very intriguing to me to hear, you know, because it's not just fatherless daughters, it's fatherless children sometime in general. Me, he asked me, what was it, a couple months ago, like, hey, when am I going to adopt him? And I was like, I didn't even. See, Renee? Yeah, because the stability of Renee provides that. No, 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 no. He wants the two. Exactly. He wants the two. Exactly. It doesn't matter if Renee or Richard. He wants the the two people in his life. Yeah. And And you're going to play a big part of his life, Renee, whether it's two moms, two dads, or whatever. He's going to want to know what he looked, you know, how his dad looked, how he sounded, maybe things he likes to do. Like I have a girlfriend who was blonde hair, blue eyes and adopted a little girl from Africa. And when she was talking about what do I do? Cause she got her out of a orphanage there and she had been found in the jungle and she had a lot of issues with attachment. And she goes, you know, what do I say to her? And we went through, she's in her life. She's about 10 years old now. We've all been around her for years. And I remember the therapist told this mother who's blonde hair and blue eyes, tell her how she's like you. And we're like, well, what? What are we going to say? Right. <laughs> and so, if she, you know, y'all look so much alike. I mean, what are you going to say? And what I found is if you said, like, oh, you dress like your mom, she would just get so mm, proud because yeah. she wanted to identify. So, I would say for you, Serena, 
I would say help him understand who he was as a human being. And I would not be scared to talk about it. And that's a big issue. Yeah. I mean, we, we are very open about it. Yeah. yeah. And remind him how he's like him. Oh, yeah. You know, and yeah. maybe if the dad has yeah. brothers or friends or whoever, they can yeah. give stories. Oh, yes, and they he, do. They, they they do that he's now. He's close with the, yeah. his uncles on that side they, of the family. So he's yeah, we fun. keep that very much alive. He just wants alive. the two. Yeah. He yeah. wants Renee to adopt him. So he's got the two. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I mean, even now, like, you know, since Renee and I, like, I, you know, just full disclosure, Renee is the first woman that I've dated and everybody knows this. And so when I broke the news to him, I was scared. Renee, get I, it, was, <laughs> I was scared. <laughs> so, you know, like, this was a this was a big deal when I told him, you know, because obviously I've never been married before, um, you know, since it was it was a big deal because he didn't have his dad. So I was like, hey, honey, you know, I met this girl named Renee and, uh, you know, we're together. And so he took it so he well. He was so normal. He was we prepared so, the talk yeah, and everything. Yeah, we was, had a talk before the talk and a talk before that. He was and just he was happy like, to okay, have, he was just happy so to have normal. somebody else there. You know, he was just he happy was to normal. have somebody else there. Exactly. He wants his two. That's it. He exactly. just wants to say, I got two people that care about me. All right, I'm good. I mean, that's about it. <laughs> two lovers, I ain't the same. <laughs> <laughs> Love them both the same. It is. Two, you have to have two. You ha there, it's, it's the norm, whether we, whatever's normal these days, but it's two. Right. And I think the more you can give them that and help them understand kind of, you know, you got as normal as normal gets because at 14, Serena, he still cares a lot about what his peers think. He's not autonomous yet, right? So he wants to belong. He's not ready to completely stand out yet. Listen, I tell you, the woman's an author. It ain't just one book. We got a couple books, but your other book is called Love Strong. Change your narrative, change your life, and take your power back. And I can't help but think that this is all interrelated in a certain sense. So you have some powerful topics that you're talking about that even right now, I feel like we just got a free session. I ain't have to pay. I know, right? Like, Yo, know, that's I'm like, yes. I slept, I slept we last call night. I'm ready. Couch. Let's go. So <laughs> she slept last night. She's ready. Love Strong. Tell me about it. I think Love Strong came. So when I wrote the Fatherless Daughter Project, and I went around and spoke and did a bunch of different things, what I noticed, I did this talk at the HBO Theater one time. And it was supposed to be about modern loss. And it was all these, you know, authors and people that were psychiatrists and therapists and everybody talking about loss. And I always notice when I'm speaking, if someone sees fatherless daughters at the time, they're kind of like, I'm out, I'm good. I still got my dad, <laughs> you know? And then as you start talking, people are like, what's up? Mm -hmm. Now, maybe I got some of this, I don't know. Maybe this is affecting me or in different ways. And the outpour that I got about relationships when I would go to speak for a couple of years was always back to their own relationship. It might start with their dad or their mom issue, but it goes back to how is it affecting me in an interpersonal relationship? And what I found is we all kind of walk around with like a tattoo of our parents, right? So our parents or whoever gave birth to us, they came with their sets of parents and their sets of parents. You two met at some point in your life or their parents met at some point in their life with whatever they had going on. I need to marry a man and get taken care of, or I'm supposed to do this, or I like him, or I want to get pregnant or whatever all these dreams are. And they come together and then you put it on that person. And that is what 
kind of tattoos onto who you are in your relationship biography, if you will, right? So your DNA of a relationship is, I started out because of this. And all of the stuff that their generations has, hasn't healed or became or did and how they parent or who they are continues to imprint. And what I found is when a person comes to some, usually after a pretty bad breakup or a divorce or something that makes them go, okay, my coping skills and the way I've been going about life did not work. So I need to do some research on myself. Mm -hmm. This book takes you all the way back so you start to understand the DNA of your parents, how it imprinted. And then you take that through the history, through this guide. And there's all different things that we do in there that teach you how you are in a relationship, your conflict style. Um, we do a love Enneagram. Like, what are you a perfectionist? Are you a lover? What are you? What? What attract and why? Wow. And it, it takes you through the process to say, what is it that I have to offer? Where are my flags? What do I need to relook at and say, this came from my parents. Do I want to get rid of this or keep it? Mm. And then what do I want to add? And then you're ready to go out and change your narrative, girl, and take your power back. Okay. <laughs> I love that. I wish everybody take could it, assess themselves it. like that. That is so healthy. I love it that. It reminds me that. of that commercial. Y'all remember that commercial where it's like, we can't stop you from being your parents, but we can't <laughs> yeah. help you. Oh, the progressive it's so ones. True. I love it's those so commercials. True. Yes. Hilarious, hilarious. Because you know what? I honestly can see that even in, like, we all know, like, that moment where something comes out of your mouth that you were like, oh, my goodness, that was so snug. Like, you know, I'm like, that would be, that was like, so I'm becoming my parents. Or, or I'll be like, Lord, if I ain't Diddy's daughter, I don't yeah. know who he is. I do so, it all the time. I do it all the time. So it's so interesting because it is like a, a DNA tattoo that we wear on our, our sleeves. But I, I like the idea of, like you said, working on yourself. What kind of, are there categories? You know how there's love languages? Are there conflict languages? Like in a Oh, sense yes, of, girl. Ooh, how many categories like are there? There's like four or five, but the real what ones. What are they? So there's a compromiser, the uh -huh. person that, That's okay, me. so there's an issue. Okay, well, I feel so like I got to take notes on this. Hold on, the compromiser, <laughs> what else? So, Snooki, probably what you do is say, let me get a little bit from their point of view, a little bit of their point of view, and then I'm going to come together and tell you all what needs to happen. Yeah, right? And all the advice I ever give to a new person getting you ready to get married you better learn compromise oh yes, I think it's the center of, of a relationship <laughs> thank but you but you gotta Keep think too Snooki conflict is resolution so mm. if you can't deal with conflict you're never going to get a resolve That's if you true. shut down you're done Okay. Uh oh. So I that rings up. I, the I, I think you're talking about me. I'm scared because I don't want to get hit. Dog well. is about to holla. Well. <laughs> so I call it the battler. So this is the person who always wins and everybody else loses. Oh, okay. That could be. So mm -hmm. I don't know. You're like I told y'all. I'm gonna teach you. I'm gonna tell you what's up. This is what's going down, and this is how we need to do it. Uh, that? no, that's not okay. I'm, okay, I'm, so I'm, look, we're all self-evaluating, by the way. So that's <laughs> why I'm like, thinking. I'm like, I'm like, wait, that's not quite me. I'm an everybody's got somebody. Is she talking about your daddy right there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, girl, she knows because she has to compromise. <laughs> yes. So, so snuck. That's good if if her dad was like that, right? And he's the battler. Like I told y'all, this is what it is. That I'll end the story when I talk about it anymore, right? <laughs> Is that, okay. is that correct? Am I correct there? That, that, that could possibly that be could Diddy. Be possibly. Not at all yes. times. All, all the times, but when he's when, on a certain subject, yes, that's him. And that <laughs> works probably in parenting in certain moments. It or does, it works right. of if everybody's in the car trying to figure out where they're going to eat, 
You need Denny to say we're going to pizza. Yeah, we're going to go get some chicken if it's Denny. We're going to get yeah. some chicken and everybody be quiet. Yeah. Nobody else. Because Snooki's compromised and talking about, well, she wants pizza and she wants chicken. I mean, you got to think about oh, how Lord. that works. Where it doesn't work is when you have an avoider. So a person that's in your life that is like, I just don't want to stir up anything. I'm going to stay a little quiet. Oh, that's so, me. Okay, so this you, is this is my genre where we're here. I go silent. If it gets too spicy, I'm like, I don't even want to talk about it. Okay, let me tell you what's going to happen with that. Right? Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. I would have heard Listen up. People quit asking your opinion. They Ooh. assume that they know what you're going to do and what you're not going to deal with, so they just take over. And Great. Then you're, Serena, you take over. I don't but care. Then, uh-uh. A little passive aggressive comes out after that, girl. Because you can't That's be true. passive Stop talking about me, Dina. What is this? <laughs> I like that. You can't be passive and not aggressive. I'm going to write that no. down, too. That's some, oh, wow. some wisdom going so, on But what today. if I just want her to just do whatever she wants to do? But then what happens is you say, do whatever you want to do. But then if, if it's not done right. But you judge But you judge it. Yes, if it doesn't go to her it. way, then it's like, but why would we do it like that? I thought we were going to do it. No, you said do it how we want to do it. So then it becomes, it wasn't what you wow. really wanted. Is this a roast fest <laughs> happening right now? <laughs> we're tag teaming her. <laughs> No, I mean, bring it on. I really actually would. I'm more of a, this is how I am. I have to make decisions all day, every day for most of my life. So when it comes to anything involving the house, it's really not fair to her. When it involves anything that's not business, and she already has to help with those business decisions, I literally will just tell her, just whatever you want. I don't care. 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 Like, I just don't want to make decisions after I've made decisions all day. <laughs> Paul says Renee does that to me, too, by the way. <laughs> uh, Paul, Paul's an avoider. I think Paul yes. is in it. Paul's an Paul, avoider. Paul is sitting at that desk. Me and Paul people are out so similar. Day. Of course. Yes, they are. It's, I do tell amazing. them that all the time. Me, it's amazing. Serena tells me all day how much me and Paul think the same. I'm like, you and Paul are the same how, person. Yeah, and it's but it's different than how she thinks and Cole thinks and, yes. and Snook thinks. Me and Paul are like robots. Honestly, we can like boop, 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 and we can make a decision just that fast too. Like, but yeah, I don't want no true. problems. Like that's the thing. I just don't want problems. Neither like even Paul. When, and neither. And that's why it's like Paul. That neither. We don't want no problems. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Renee, what happens for somebody like Serena is she does want your input, right? Definitely. And so. What you have to do is probably figure out, here's the three or four things I'm going to input on this week and the rest you do you, right? But here's a couple of things that mean something to me. Or Serena needs to say, I need your input. I got 10 things. I'll take two. Yeah, you know, that's why I, said, I really know it's not fair because it's like she does all of our work stuff with me, even at the photo shoot just now, cleaning it up because I made a whole mess. And then and then she has to come home and be like, and what are you going to eat? And what is this? And we got I mean, something after moms. this. moms. That just She's comes tired. naturally. <laughs> nah, you know what? I feel like I've been a mom. I became a mom really young. And so that's all I know. So I, all I do is just take care of people. And I honestly love better. taking care of people. I need a Serena. Because <laughs> I as you were saying this, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do better because it's not like she doesn't do the whole day with me and then has to do, I think it's called mom, you know, that mom life <laughs> thing where I literally, even though I'm a woman, I get to like, 
I don't ever think about certain things, and right. that's a, and that's a luxury. That's that a I, luxury. That is a luxury. Yeah, yeah, I do that to my husband too, because he'll be like, <laughs> he'll be, you know, making decisions all day, and also calling, making sure the kids got this, did they have that, they had to be there, and then he'll be like, "What do you want for dinner?" I'll be like, "I don't know, just whatever," and then he'll pull something out, and I'll be like, "And you're like, I don't want that. I don't want that." <laughs> terrible it's terrible and i will eat it just because i know i said i didn't and he'll remind me he'll be like and you said you didn't want you said you didn't care when i pulled out but now you're looking at it crazy and i'm like oh no 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 it's fine right, just said that so, oh, we got the him. husbands in the chat the husband's entering the chat he's like the yeah husband's the husband's entered the chat and Roy said, and then she nicole is that your man Roy? no 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 that's not my man no that's not my man no 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 don't no, no, no. we gonna break up those oh, happy holes Roy's this our producer. Hey, our producer. We love our Shannon. producer. Big brother Roy Shannon said that he his no. He's saying his wife complains about the dinner and how he made the dinner, but he's the one making it. So it sounds like they're trying to claim <laughs> Cole gave the guys some fight. Hey, Cole talked about shit. her husband, and Roy was like, "Yeah, me too." That's what he was a hit dog. And his hit dog to holler. He was a hit dog to holler. Yeah. So yeah. he got the same situation going in his house. But I think that I'm not an avoider. I think I'm sometimes the person who I'm going to tell you up front. And then if you don't, then it's It's what's her category. uh, (laughs) Because I do that all the time. I say, well, I don't think that's a good idea because this, and then I just sit back and just watch. So (laughs) I do it all the time. I have to dig in a little more with that, (laughs) but you can't just say something and sit back and relax. Cause then watch it go to the smithereens. But the thing thing is, is that I, if I give you enough upfront and say, we should not go this way, this is what I think is happening. And you feel like it needs to go that way anyway, then I'm just going to watch the the fireworks. I can't, I can't make a decision. So Cole is going to tell you. And then once it blows up, she's going to be like, she gonna pull a Carl Anthony Towns. I told y'all I was gonna I win mean, the three point contest. Defense, what more can you do? What you know, if you tell somebody, if you tell somebody, you know, and they don't want to listen, you can't help somebody well, that doesn't want to help themselves. You know, I think I think that's emotional intelligence, to be honest. With you. <laughs> so wow. She got that so from she, her mama. She got that from her mama. She got it from her mama. <laughs> I love I it. Listen, Dina, we're gonna have to have you come back and just oh, whenever no. there's, gonna be whenever relationship there's relationships that are happening out Girl. loud in the news or there's anything, because I just remember the conversation we had when we were on Real Talk, and so you were kind of doing this same thing about larger yes. scale things. We gotta have you back. Dina Mabel, she is an author, TV personality. She does a little bit of everything, and she roasts me at the same time. Dina, thank you for joining us on Montgomery & Company. This was lit, baby. Yes. Thank you. This was fun. We've been looking forward to this one. We've been looking forward to this This is fun. I miss y'all. I want everybody to read this word in order, okay? So we're going to start with Snook, Cole, Sam. Okay. All right, so hold on. Let me get the let me get the tweet out now. <laughs> what is Renee up to? Re- <laughs> Ready, <laughs> Snook? When you see it, read it, okay? Salmon. Cole? Salmon. Sam? Salmon. <laughs> okay, so this is an interesting word. <laughs> so, <laughs> if anybody is a fan of Married at First Sight, there is a guy on there, Elijah Wan. 
He's with, what is her name? Katina. Elijah Wan is with Katina. Married at First Sight is exactly what the show describes. It's a reality show where you get married at first sight when you see the person at the altar. That's when you say, I do. And that's when you get married. There's a dude on the show, Elijah Wan. Like me and your dad. No, you were in love at first sight. Mom. You was in love. This moment she saw oh Diddy, Snook was, hooked. Snook was hooked like a crook. She saw oh Diddy in them short gosh. shorts. He had his football legs out, and Snook was in love at first sight. No, this is a different show. But this show is married at first sight. Elijah Wan is dating Katina, and boy, is he an alpha male. He must have been born in the 1900s because he thinks that his wife needs to cook and clean and stay at home. And Ooh. Katina is a new age woman, baby. And so he was up there talking about so much noise about she needs to cook home-cooked meals every single night. That's how a man needs to eat. And that's how a man needs to be treated. And he needs, and she needs to like, you know, she needs to be a wife. And that's his idea of a wife. And that's how they have to make it work. So the concept of the show is you meet the first time at the altar. You say, I do. And the show follows you for the next three months as you live together and are a married couple. So as you guys can imagine, this show is hilarious because these are two strangers that now have to be married and submerge their lives together including their work and everything. So she's coming home from work and he's mad that he doesn't have a hot meal ready from scratch, by the way. He don't want her using these fake and bakes type of stuff. He wants his food from scratch. Another thing that happened on that show was that he was talking about her meals and Jamel Hill, so this is the tweet that started it. This is what we're bringing to the pod. Jamel Hill said, Elijah Wan definitely uses the term alpha male on a regular basis. Hashtag married at first sight. I said, yeah, he's got to calm that all the way down. Jamel Hill responded to me and said, this dude can't even pronounce salmon correctly. And he's telling Katina she's not living up to his idiotic expectations of a wife. I absolutely can not. You guys, I'm bringing it to the pod. What is a way a wife is supposed to ask in 2020? I had to make sure y'all knew how to say salmon at first, as you can see. Thank you. We all passed our test. Serena was a little bit shaky over there, but we know you got a language barrier, English. English is your second language, baby, okay? English is my second language, okay? We say salmon, that's it. Okay, you know what I'm saying? It's pronounced differently in Spanish, so y'all, you know, lean towards different pronunciations, but what's the way a wife is supposed to to behave in 2022 because Elijah Wan said you're supposed to cook a meal every night hmm. one meal a day so what would you say mm -hmm. is is there are there standards I know all the men are like yeah I know <laughs> <laughs> today women should bring home the bacon fry it up in a pan and if he okay. doesn't like what she's frying up in the pan he need to get his butt in the kitchen and cook his own meal he get home first and do so the meal so wait snook you said we should bring home the bacon and then fry it too well i'm just saying we can bring home the bacon okay oh she's saying if we want to but i'm just saying he can do the same he if he's bringing home the bacon <laughs> he can fry it up in the pan as well i mean we i believe in equal home management Equal home management. Oh, I like, I like that. that. I like that. Equal yes. home management. So what does equal home management look like? It looks like, well, if something needs to be done, the person who's there to do it does it. They don't wait. If you uh, <laughs> say, for instance, you dropped an egg on the floor and it broke. 
Are you just going to leave it there until the other person comes home to clean it up? No, you clean it up right then. So that's the way most things, if you make the mess, clean it up. If oh there's my things gosh. to be done, you do it. Let me do a side note real quick because I watched the show. So this actually happened where they had a little friend gathering at their house. Katina, she might have got a little tipsy or she was just tired, but she went to bed and didn't clean up right after the party. So he cleaned up after the party and he went nuts about it he said <laughs> listen i was out there sweeping and cleaning the floors after the party i didn't have no help from you like you're gonna have to hold uphold your end of the deal that's why everybody's tweeting about it. he's trending right now it's his real thoughts mm, but mm. what are your like what is your marriage like cole do you cook and clean what what's going on in your house we also have equal <laughs> house management as well because let me tell you when we, me and my, when me and shannon first got married he prefers my cooking he cooks there's certain signature dishes that he has that he does very well <laughs> most of the time i was the primary cook so you know, we had three little boys. And so I got home later than he did. And he was like, hey, what are we going to do for dinner? I said, if y'all was so hungry, you could have cooked it. I only yep. had to say it once. That's it. I only had to say it once. <laughs> I only had to say it once. Now, let me tell you, if he got home, we was having fried chicken every night. But <laughs> at least there was food and the kids were able to eat. But I'm the same way. Like, don't wait for me to do it. What are you waiting for? Because the point is, is that if you have availability to complain, you have availability to do it yourself. I so, like that. I mean, honestly, but in the time that you took to figure out that I didn't do it and then bring it to my attention that I didn't do it. And then and, bring wait it for to me the to pod. And then, yeah, and then you bring it here. So why didn't you do it? Because you had all that time to figure out it wasn't done. You could have had it done. So Shannon, I love the fact that he'll come in the house. If he looks like the kitchen floor needs to be mopped, he'll just take out the mop, start mopping the kitchen floor. Or if he figures out, I forgot to take something out to cook for dinner and it's in the freezer, he'll take something out. And our deal is, is that whatever someone takes out <laughs> is what we're going to eat. You can't say, <laughs> okay, well, I didn't want that for dinner. If he takes something out, I didn't take anything out. Okay, that's what we have for dinner. So same thing. I'm the same way with mom. <laughs> what do you, how do you feel about that, Sam? I mean, I feel like, I mean, we're, we're the same, we're the same way. Cause Renee does things. I do things, you yeah. know, sometimes like sometimes if I don't feel like cooking, she'll be like, well, let's just order something, you know? Thank so, you. I was just going to say, listen, <laughs> yeah, I'm the one, so, if, it's, if it comes to be my turn, I ain't cooking, but I know what I can do. DoorDash. What's up, baby? Like, like what, what y'all want to eat? Tonight? DoorDash. Yeah. Like Renee is very in the so I don't really have to do a lot. Like she'll do her laundry. Yeah, she, if she's hungry, she don't be like, "Hey, what what we eating tonight?" She'll be like, "Hey, do you want barbecue?" And I'll be like, "Okay, yeah, sure." You That's literally. What about. That's what I'm talking just about. Like, so clearly, I believe yeah, in equal. Yeah. So we help house each other. Management. But, but let me this just show. say this. Okay, go uh, ahead, say it. Go ahead, say it. Go ahead, I was say like, it. This Sam. show is setting people up to fail. Like this is crazy. First of all, man. You married at first sight? Like, okay, I understand that people in different parts of the world, they do arranged marriages and things like that. But those people have been preparing that, you know, like whoever's parents, they have that arrangement with. I'm not, you know, like some cultures still do that. So they actually prepare them from years to be that person's, you know, spouse. With this, is crazy. Like, it, it, there's a lot that that goes into marriage. So if you don't know what you're getting into, and then you just, Woo! then you're going to end up with a crazy 
crazy like what's his name i don't even know what, elijah one elijah one first of all like he he needs to go somewhere with all that 1800 stuff i don't understand that mm-hmm. well i know that this show sent people for domestic violence because right. it would take i'm telling you it is it's, it is <laughs> because it would take me coming home from work one good time and him zap out that he is running from the house oh you're saying um, you um, would be the one <laughs> the aggressor i would be the one i would be the one What's he going to be mad about? All he's doing is yelling and fussing and complaining. I'm the one who's getting berated by this. So I would be the one who would be the... They'd be like... He'd be he like, also well, she told her she needs him. to work out on a normal basis to keep her body up because he oh, keeps wow. his body up. So he needs her to do the same. And who keep her- are his parents? Where are his parents? Right, this is where I right. say, where are your family members? I wish my son would go on TV and do this they need the form of compromise that i practice a lot i'll look at you and if it's not right i'll just walk off and you can do what you want to do i do that too mom <laughs> i do that too it's on you it's on you now you, you can go. handle that situation that's all you so listen dina do you would have a lot to unpack with elijah Wan, dina that's all i'll say down to talk to a couple that is preparing to get married but also found love in spite of coming from two completely different worlds peter louise zimmerman and casey peterson up next everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. My name, again, Casey Peterson. I have a PR company here in Atlanta, Georgia, and this is my fiance. Hey guys, I'm Peter Louise Zimmerman. Um, I am an actor. Uh, I've been doing that for about 12 years professionally now. Biggest credit to date would be The Walking Dead. I played Eduardo on the show. And yeah, still auditioning, still moving right along. And Georgia I- Films popping over here. Oh yeah. <laughs> so. Great, awesome, awesome. So how did you guys meet? We actually were on set of Captain America Civil War when it was filming in downtown Atlanta. I, that summer, kind of went on a rampage of trying to just travel set to set, figure out if I wanted to be in the entertainment industry. Peter, on the other hand, wasn't technically supposed to be there as an extra, (laughs) but he is a big Marvel Universe geek and was trying to figure out some spoilers with the MCU. So he just happened to be there by chance. There's like 500 extras that day, and it's kind of 
out of all the places to sit, we were positioned right next to each other throughout the day. So it was kind of crazy. So y'all met on the set. So how was it adjusting working, like work adjusting to the pandemic? It was tough at the beginning because, you know, Hollywood shut down and Hollywood in Atlanta was, was shut down and everybody was kind of following protocols with, first of all, what do we do and how do we test this? And how do we regulate it? So it was quiet for a while. You know, fortunately for me, I was still able to get some income from reruns and things like that. So blessed in that situation. Yeah, it was, it was slow for a while and I definitely had to keep myself sane and <laughs> constantly, you know, like it's going to get better. So. Yeah. And for me, you know, 95% of what I do is virtual and remote. Yeah. So that was a blessing. I had already been used to quarantine in the sense of working from home and running my show. But with that being said, it was kind of interesting. I had a lot of None of us have learned pandemic PR. I didn't go in college with my degree. So having to learn how to manage people's PR, let alone run a company during the pandemic, it was super difficult, but it was refreshing to know that the whole world was going through it at the same time. So that was pretty neat. And something we both talk about as a couple was just realizing almost how many more doors it lets you have access to virtually because you didn't have to necessarily be in the same city, state, country, anything to communicate or be in those rooms. So for me, I was able to reach a broader net of clientele. And also a lot of clients needed me more. So upgrading time with me to get through the pandemic. And same for him. Once the industry opened back up, I felt like the rooms he was put in, even if they're virtual rooms like this, were way bigger than any room he had been in prior Well, you're talking about, you know, you two coming together. So tell me about a little bit how y'all, you know, grew up and where you're both from, you know, just to give us a little background of each one of you. I was originally born in Miami, lived there for only a couple of years. Uh, I still have family, so I go back every now and then. But um, yeah, I've kind of bounced around a lot. Uh, I lived in Atlanta for the beginning of my life. Then my dad's job moved us to Montgomery, Alabama, which was a very it was a good experience in retrospect, but it's still one of those cities that's so um, behind in the times in terms of, you know, you, it's, it's very segregated. And then being Latino, that was even more interesting because I didn't really <laughs> fit in with a lot of people, but it was a good experience. And I learned a lot uh, while I was there. And then I moved back to Atlanta in high school, went out to LA for a little bit. I bounced around a lot, but Atlanta is what I claim. What about you, Casey? I was born in Atlanta, but grew up primarily in um, Ackworth area, Ackworth, Kennesaw. And when I was about 12 years old, moved to middle of nowhere, (laughs) Georgia, uh, about three hours south in a town called Alamo, Georgia. I had a class of 60 people when I graduated high school. That's any indication of how small the town was. Um, And similar to Peter's experiences in Montgomery, it was like going to a different chapter in time, I guess, like a time capsule um, from architecture to food to church and religion all the way over to, unfortunately, segregation and terrible things like that. And um, we always go back and forth with just stories you don't even realize you like suppress in your mind about, wow, that wasn't normal or that wasn't supposed to go like that. I was that person, sophomore, junior, senior year of high school saying, I can't wait to get out of here. I'm going to Atlanta and I don't know what college is up there, but I'm going to go make my whole move back up there. So that was my way of kind of flying, you know, (laughs) 
<laughs> so, both experienced discrimination or some type of things where y'all knew it wasn't normal, but that was normal for where you both live. So the stories that you go back and forth with, do they actually kind of like meet up and say, yeah, that's kind of the same or no, we didn't have, it was worse here. Like, do y'all have these battle stories of like, well, no, we didn't do this, but we had this where you're both kind of shocked. Like, wow, that was really crazy. She had a whole thing with, I guess, even like school dances being segregated. So that was something I didn't experience. Mine was more about which side of town you were on. And I went to public school out there. I went to private school. So I kind of saw both ends of the spectrum. But hers, hers is kind of one of those like time capsule moments when I listen to her experiences. I'm kind of like, wow, that is. We drove through some of the neighborhoods um, over one of the holiday breaks. And it was like, unfortunately, like KKK recruit, white knight recruiting and things like billboards <laughs> on the side of the road. And it's extreme in some circumstances. And in some circumstances, it's there's things that are just normal there. So I don't want to knock the whole town, but, and it's not everyone's viewpoint, but it's just so odd that things are even like able to happen. You know what I mean? To where it's like, what the school let that happen or government in town, let this happen. And it made new, like there was a, um, I don't know if it ever like saw the light of day, but cosmopolitan magazine, HBO came down to like the County area where I'm from and did a whole write-up because up until 2008 or nine, it was segregated prom. And it wasn't segregated in the sense of white prom, black prom, minority prom, that was in the school district next to mine. But again, that bleeds into the community that I was a part of, but our prom had where everyone was together, but to make it fair, there would be a black representative and a white representative for any award. So any award, not just prom, but homecoming, if there's an academic award, they would make sure that there was one from each. And then I'm like, what, what about Hispanic? What about Asian communities? What about, you know, Middle Eastern communities? And I tell him it wasn't diverse in that respect. I mean, I didn't go to school. I could count on one hand with anyone outside of black or white. And even within the culture of black and white, it was so just not cultured in the respect to being advanced to where we are now. But um, it was it was really odd. And there's just random things that we talk about. There's things that I didn't experience personally because I was privileged in that regard. I'm a white chick living in the South, you know, so I didn't experience from the other side, but coming from Atlanta area, I was used to having friends of all these different races and not really seeing beyond anything like a racist Southern pride thing. That was not my thing. So my blinders were off almost immediately going into middle school that something wasn't necessarily right. And it just got heightened the older I got and realized there's this whole world around this area and almost seeing that commonality when you talk to people from other small towns or other parts of the country who were like, yeah, that was, you know, and it's a sad common out, you know, to have in common with anybody, but, um, but yeah, we talk about things all the time, even standardized testing, like we were talking about that, like last year. And I didn't realize that, oh, I always select white, Caucasian. And he was like, well, sometimes I'm other, sometimes I'm um, Islander, yeah. sometimes I'm indigenous. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I, I personally have never had to experience that, but just realizing the random things that way, even when you go to submit your paperwork for taxes or your license and things like that. We were just like, we still have these conversations all the time. And obviously with 2020, so many things were heightened and brought to light that had been going on, um, but it created even more of a dialogue. Sometimes we have to just pause because we get 
we get overwhelmed. Oh, I, I understand. I absolutely understand it. And coming from two different backgrounds, like you said, sometimes he's choosing other. Do y'all ever get comments or do you ever get like people looking and see y'all together and say things or even give you the look? Like I know we have some family members who are basically they call it could pass and they they look more light skinned white maybe even, you know, they can almost pass. And then when they see them with the black family, they're like, oh, like they get the look. So do y'all ever get a look or a comment just being from two different backgrounds, the way that you are? We've been fortunate enough not to have much like hate out in public, I guess. Like I know I've heard and seen much worse, um, but I do think people just say things. There is uh, some Hispanic people in a common area talking Spanish and someone like from family, like said, a derogatory term and kind of made fun of speaking Spanish. And I look first person yeah. I look at is Peter and Peter's like, uh, you know, like not making light of it, but bringing it up like, uh, yeah. And he said, but you're not like them. Yeah. You're not like those yes. Hispanic people or you're not Mexican or you're not this. And that's where I was just like, I feel like those type of weird moments happen a lot more than we take account for, but not necessarily like direct hate. Yeah, I think us. it's more just blind ignorance. You know, the intention may be may be good, but there's just a lack of understanding or a lack of awareness mm-hmm. of the situation. And sometimes I can't I can't specifically say I've been discriminated against with her in in past relationships. Um, yes, but no, I think I think that you know a lot of people are coming to an awareness that is yes. good. Finally, but we have been fortunate in that degree. Yeah. And I faced a lot of comments before even dating Peter because, you know, I moved away and I was already sinful in my church community. (laughs) In addition to that, one of my first boyfriends in college was Puerto Rican as well. And he was actually half white, half Puerto Rican. But again, the fact that I even had to pull that card out to people, like he's half white. Mm -hmm. So it makes it half okay. And I felt like this whole thing when even my first year in college with him, and it was very short term, but people were approaching my mom in church. People were making comments about it on social media. I had like a bunch of redneck ex boyfriends from my town acting like how I had just like gone off the deep end and I'm ruined or something for not having the same white boyfriends that I had in high school. Um, so I kind of already had that like right into college, right into that dating scene. And again, like not even noticing how deep it went beyond how I see it, because I'm obviously seeing it in a different way or taking it a different way. But by the time we got together, you know, when we first started dating, it was a conversation. I don't speak to my father at all. We don't have that type of relationship. But at the time we did, we were working on a relationship and he referred to Peter as Juan Pablo. Oh, gosh. Just terrible, but then still wanted to meet him and still wanted to be cordial and it just created like such a animosity almost in me off the bat but yeah there's just I feel like it hasn't necessarily been too much hate driven things which I know couples do go through that are interracial but um and then everybody's different too you know I was brought up fortunate you know I had I had a family that worked hard and was able to provide for me and they always told me listen you know there's there's gonna be things said and whatever but I had the the skin I guess to kind of let stuff roll off and never affect me. And I think a part of it is just because of my upbringing and what I was able to, you know, do and in, in, in my career. And just, I always felt a sense of confidence and the way I carried myself. 
And, and I'm not trying to sound like better than anybody else. I just think that, you know, individually people react differently to things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like Juan Pablo thing didn't really affect me because I was like, Hey, I'm secure enough in myself to, to take that and be like, cool. Next time I, you know, yes. see you and, and want to say something to you, I'm going to say it back. You we know? would laugh about stuff when we first started dating, almost like it was funny. And then we realized like a year or so in to things and it was like, that's not actually funny. So why do we even let it be Absolutely. a joke? And I yeah. think that was a big pivotal moment. And especially for me personally in 2020 was just like, again, it had things have been going on forever, but the fact that it was so heightened and it was a tabletop conversation at that point or a social media dialogue, I took that as an opportunity to like dive in deeper, but also like stay on my ground if it hadn't been stood before. And yeah. I found myself in so many more, I wouldn't say predicaments, but family conversations, whether it was Thanksgiving or just sitting where I was. And I, now I'm like, I'm dubbed for being the bitch, right? Like I'm rude or I'm sensitive. Right. I'm one of those, uh, overly politically correct people. Right. Yeah. Because so, I started yeah. making like this insert into, and it's not even insert of just me randomly pulling from things. Just acknowledging it as soon as it's said, whether you're a family, a friend, a colleague, that's actually false, that's inappropriate, right. or you realize where that's offensive to that culture. And maybe even some things that I've, like I said, laughed off before or just looked the other way at or didn't know how to address five, 10 years ago. But again, it's just like, it's one of those things that you sometimes don't even realize how much you push down right. and realize. And I big thing we always talk about is we're going to have children. Yeah. Okay. So they're not going to be white. They're not going to be Puerto Rican. They're going to be mixed, which is a whole nother uh-huh. level of segregation and discrimination. So not even knowing how to go into that because we're seeing it. It's a, it makes it scary almost, right? How do you even prepare for that? But yeah. Sometimes we grow up in backgrounds and we don't get to choose what we grew up in. We have to adapt. We have to learn. But once we know better, we need to do better. And you guys are doing it. And so I just want to say congratulations. And, you know, we love that you were on sharing. I mean, people are going to think this is actually crazy that you yourself said that you were witnessing segregation. And that's really late to be witnessing segregation. You look fairly young. So that's not like it's not like you're like 85, 90 years old old. So, you know, it's going to be really crazy. People are going to be like, what, what are you talking about? Because, you know, even though people are probably still living in that time right now, still experiencing that, they don't know it because you're growing up in it. So you kind of in it in the minute. And then when you get older, you learn. So thank you for, you know, sharing your story with us. Tell us about your podcast. Tell us where we can see you in your podcast. I do not have your podcast. Tell us what it is. Tell us so what, actually- you know, I had uh, Serena and Renee on there. And one of the good things about it is I was on the momentum of releasing something every week and trying to dive into CEO journeys. And oh. then the moment I had Renee and Serena on, we obviously go into this whole segue on everything happening in the climate at the time. It was the week of the election. I mean, it was so many things fueling in the conversation. I mean, I feel like we needed a part two, three, four, five on it. But what was great is when I posted it, I actually got a lot of feedback from my hometown of people who were like, you know, I'm so glad that this is being talked about, or I'm glad to know, like, cause we actually know from the same exact town, the same exact groups of people, but just knowing that those conversations have spearheaded more made me like take a break and realign how I'm going to position more of the episodes moving forward on CEOs and kind of going back with that layer, no matter who I'm talking to. Um, I have that rapport with Serena. So it was easy to be like, 
and here we go. And knowing that Renee was on her movement, it was like yeah. so easy to flow into that type of dialogue. So um, Peter actually just worked on um, a short film that he created from top to bottom. So well, where, like, do they find, where do they find your show? Oh, you can find it on any <laughs> streaming platforms. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> we got, sometimes we got to keep each other on track. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always trying to plug yeah. plug my guy, though. And he's always trying to plug you. That's how it works. It's beautiful. It's beautiful <laughs> to see. He's like, okay, well, what about you? <laughs> so that's actually awesome. And I can't wait to see what you're in. My son is going to flip when he knows I talk to anyone that worked oh. Walking Dead because that was like his show or it still might be a show. So it was great. Tell him, tell him to look out for the man bun. I had a man bun in the show. And the I will definitely let yeah. him know. There's some, there's some things coming up to um, just Peter Louise Zimmerman or I'm, I'm on Twitter at I am Peter Z and that's kind of where I keep all my stuff you know behind the scenes too so plz pictures for his fun creative side because that's, that's too much to remember no just <laughs> <laughs> added it on there <laughs> all right well thank you guys for joining us thank you thank for you having so us so since it's Women's Month, I wanted to reflect on some of the things women couldn't do in the 1930s and the 1940s. Shouts to Billie Jean King. She's the one that posted it. Where we were at that point, women could not practice law in most states, much less become a judge. They could not get paid the same amount as men for the same work. They couldn't answer one ads for jobs labeled men only. They couldn't attend most Ivy League universities, serve on a jury in most states, play school sports on an equal basis with the boys, open a bank account, attend a military academy, get pregnant without the threat of losing their job, wear pants to the U.S. Senate floor. There's a lot of things that women couldn't do, but I'm glad where we are now, where we have a podcast where four women talk about money and how it's a generational thing. We'll see y'all next week. Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello.